<laughs> Bless the Lord. Well, as uh, we've already mentioned, I want to continue on the theme this morning, how Jesus saves. And in the second part of our theme, we want to be sharing on the whole concept of Jesus forgives. Jesus forgives. And uh, we can never get enough of realizing the power and the impact of the Word of God and the truth of Jesus' forgiveness. Because as much as we think that we understand it, as much as we think we grasp it, sometimes I think we fail to live in the power and the fullness of the true forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Because our lives, the way we work them out and the way we measure out our experience, sometimes we're, we're just acting like we're second-class Christians, and especially those of us who have failed. And you know, I think it's fair enough to say that Everyone in this room has sinned successfully since they've been a Christian. <laughs> There's not one of us that have, have been perfectly pure, and unless I haven't met you yet, there's not one of us who haven't been perfectly pure. But maybe you're in, the, in this room this morning and you've never, ever even given your life fully to Jesus Christ. And the whole message of, of salvation is, is about the power of Jesus' love to forgive you and to wash you. So we're going to be talking about a number of uh, people's experience in the Word of God from the, the, the New Testament and also beyond there about the life-changing power of God. I want to talk to you first of all about the prodigal son. The word prodigal meaning the wasteful son, the one who wasted his inheritance, wasted all that God had given him. And I'm going to read this, this passage to you and uh, you can see it on the screen there. But um, I think it'd be good to just read this first part of it. It's not the whole story from John, uh, Luke chapter 15. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them to his lively, uh, them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine, and he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, and when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. And ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I... But the father said to him, And in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Oh, that's powerful, isn't it? And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it. Let's have a barbecue that's bigger than a Bunnings sausage. And let us eat and be merry, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. 
This is one of the most powerful stories of God's forgiveness you will ever find in the Bible. And yet I, just, I, I really believe it that so many people don't actually live in that place where even this, this man, you know, th- this message is always preached or so often preached as a complete outsider, a lost sinner, someone who's not of the house of the Father of the house of God, someone who's just a random, disobedient, wretched, wasteful, prodigal person, and yet this person was actually a son of the house. He was like a Christian who sinned. He was like a son who sinned and went away from the house of his father where all the provision and the abundance and the goodness and everything that God had. This person was not some rank, unchurched, unsaved person who who just uh, Jesus told a story about. No, he was a son of the house. Amen? He was the son of the house who failed and, and fell into sin and, and wanton, wasteful ways. And we see the picture here how he became, came to be restored. And he was like so many people when approaching his father, like so many people today when they're approaching God for forgiveness, they think that God will forgive or maybe do something to some degree to forgive them, but they, they find it very difficult to accept the full measure of God that, they, that he began lives. So many people struggle with that. And so we see that, they, that he began to recite, you know, his prayer. He began to learn up a prayer. He, he, you know, he's like so often we can be. Like people think, well, you know, if they're unsaved people, they think if I dare to walk in the door of a church, lightning will come down and strike me or strike the church or something like that. You know, people have this idea that because of their uh, impurity or their lack of holiness that they couldn't dare approach God or they couldn't dare approach a church because that would suddenly bring everything undone because they feel that God actually can't handle their sinfulness or God can't handle their impure state. But hello, God is, is, is well and truly able to handle the impurity of mankind because he has to deal with it all the time. And Jesus came to not only handle it, he came to deal with it. And so this, this young son, he creates this wonderful prayer. Oh, Father, he said, I will go to my father and I'll say unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am now no longer worthy to be called a son. Therefore, just make me like a hired servant. Just make me like a hired servant. You know what he was saying? I wonder if the father will just let me back in the door and I'll just, I won't be a son anymore as long as I can just serve. A lot of people are like that with God. After failure, they think, well, you know, what are, you know they accept, I, I'll be happy just to be a second-class Christian. You know, like a second-class Christian, one who really can't ever expect to possibly be back where I was before. I can't possibly be ex- expect, because of my sin and my failure, to take in the full grace and measure of sonship again. I will just be a servant. I'll just work for God. And that is the journey into religious observance where I'll just try to work and please God. I'll try and do everything good. I'll try to be in church every Sunday. I'll try to pray and have my devotions in the morning. And it'll all be about what I do, just trying to please God. But I want to tell you this morning that when God forgives, God forgives completely. The Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our iniquities from us. Can you say amen? 
The Word of God says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be red like crimson, or though your sins be like scarlet, they shall be, you shall be like white as wool. Amen? Praise the Lord for that. So Jesus forgives. And when Jesus forgives, he forgives completely. We see the picture of that with this son completely and totally restored to sonship. The ring that put the authority of the household back on his finger, the shoes on his feet, the robe upon him, and the barbecue was prepared. And you know that fatted calf, as most of you would already realize, that fatted calf was always kept in readiness in case a very special person, a VIP, would visit like a king or a, or a high uh, politician of the land would visit. There'd always be the very best animal prepared for, the, for uh, the best food that could be presented. What does it tell us? That when a son or a daughter who fails and needs forgiveness comes back to the father, nothing but the best is provided. When we arise and say to ourselves, I will go to my father. Amen. Forgiveness flows when we say, I will run to the presence of God. I will run to the place of God. I will run to where God is. I will run to my home. I will go home to God. Amen. That's when the full measure of God's grace and forgiveness comes to us. Maybe you need to hear that this morning. Maybe you need to hear that. Because when Jesus forgives you, you are forgiven completely. You are restored completely. You are no longer a second-class Christian. Who can say amen this morning to that? Praise the Lord. Let's go on then. And I want to talk to you about another even more radical case of forgiveness in the Bible, because this one is really, really challenging. The woman who was taken in adultery and dragged, as it were, before Jesus in the crowd. And you know what? So uncompassionate were these pharisaical religious people who dragged this woman caught in adultery before Jesus. They, they used her to try and trick Jesus up and try and just bring Jesus down with words. They thought, here's a trick. We'll get Jesus this time. They cared nothing for this woman. They cared nothing for her as a person. They could not have cared anything about her. All they were wanting to do was destroy her because of what they perceived was the religious observance of the law. But Jesus was just one step ahead of them. Amen? And let, let's just read it quickly here. Teacher, they said unto Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her, what do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They, and, uh, with his finger. they kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest. I don't know what that means, how come the oldest person went first maybe the oldest had sinned more years than the others I don't know until only Jesus was left I'm sure Pastor Dave's got a way more theological answer than that till only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman then Jesus stood up again and he said to the woman where are your accusers 
didn't even one of them condemn you? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Shock, horror. God does not condemn this woman in this moment of utter brokenness. What does Jesus do? He forgives her and says, go and sin no more. This is radical stuff. This is pretty scandalous stuff. This is the grace of God raw. This is the grace of God pure in all of its form. And this is Jesus saying and describing what the new covenant is really all about, that the law can never, ever suffice. The law can identify your sin, but it can never save you. And the law can identify and point out your failures, but the law can never forgive you. And Paul talks about this when he describes it in the book of Galatians. You see, the law brings condemnation and judgment, but Jesus brings grace and forgiveness. And we need to not only receive this and walk in this as believers, but we need to portray this and demonstrate this into a lost world also as we go on. Listen to these words from Galatians. And I've underlined a few points here too for us. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. Listen, when Jesus came, he, was, he came to fulfill the law and he came to bring forth redemption because the law could never bring redemption. The law could never bring conclusion to our sin. The law could never wash us. The law that points out our sin and points out our wrongdoing, that points out our shortcoming, it can never ever redeem us and set us free. The law points out sin, but it can never forgive you. But suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ, and then we are found guilty because we have abandoned the law. Would that mean Christ had led us into sin? Absolutely not. Rather, I am a sinner if I rebuild the old system of the law I already tore down. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. Pretty powerful words. When I tried only to live a life that was ruled by rules and regulations and I tried to just live up to a rule book, I was condemned by that rule book, Paul is saying. I was brought down and undone by that rule book. But he says, so I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all of its requirements so that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless, for if by keeping the law, if, if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. Why am I talking about this? Why am I talking about this in the sense of forgiveness? Because it is absolutely critical to the way we live our lives and the way we approach God in the sense of receiving his forgiveness. We can always have the, the, our sin and our wrongdoing pointed out to us. And you know what? If you sin... And if I sin and we have wrongdoing in our heart, guess what? We don't even need somebody else to point it out to us because we're like David. You know what David said? My sin is always before me. Amen? 
if, if we have sin in our life, if there's wrongdoing in our heart, we are more than aware of it. And you know what happens when someone comes and points it out to you? It just makes it worse because it can't redeem, it can't cleanse, it can't forgive, it can't bring change. The only way that can happen is when our lives are hid with Christ in God. Amen. It's no longer I that live. Who remembers the old song? It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live, I don't live in the flesh, but I live by faith in the Son of God, Paul is saying. Listen, if you try to live your life and fulfill a, ro- a rule book and, and measure your life according to the law, it can never bring you into freedom. But only Christ can bring you into freedom because he came to forgive. And just like those Pharisees stood around condemning this woman and wanting to stone her to death according to a rule book, Jesus said, hello, I've come to bring you a new covenant. And that new covenant is the grace of God and the forgiveness of God. My brothers and sisters this morning, walk in the grace and the forgiveness of God. Amen? And to add to that, we need to take these words afresh. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. You know what John also goes on to say? If people say they have no sin, then they're a liar. You know, because we all find that at times we fall into human frailty and weakness. We don't walk around, as Pastor Dave said, describing ourselves as worthless sinners, but we are all needing the continued grace and forgiveness and mercy of God. Who can say amen to that? And then it goes to this, some other words of Jesus. I thought I'd just throw this, this in too. Is something we really need to take notice of. Matthew eleven twenty five. But when you are praying, when you are feeling so holy and so wonderful, and when you feel so self righteous, and when you are so aware and you have the gift of suspicion, let me tell you something. There's no such gift of the Holy Spirit called the gift of suspicion. There's no such gift of the Holy Spirit called pointing out other people's sin. Or pointing out other people's wrongdoing or weaknesses or human frailty. No such a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's simply this. That if you want to come before God and walk in the grace and the forgiveness of God, he says, when you're praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Powerful and challenging words by Jesus. Listen, as believers... Washed and walking in the grace of God, let us not become Pharisees or scribes who in that time in Jesus' day wanted to bring and identify other people's sins. No, that is not the calling we have in Christ Jesus. Our calling is to bring people into the fullness and the life and the love of God. The church is too often known. I'm talking about generally speaking in our community and in society. The church is often so looked down on and sometimes we have to In the sense, when I say the church, I'm not talking about us individually or personally, but how it would apply to us. The church is often known for condemnation. We get in, the church is often seen in in a media environment or even a, 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 you know, a social media environment these days. Uh, And there are words of condemnation. There are words of judgment. There are words of self-righteousness and even words of hypocrisy. Rather, we need to 
be the people who speak the words of God's grace and let it have its way. And let us be the kind of people, the church of Jesus Christ, who actually make a way for God to love people back to life. Amen? We need to let God flow through us, not reiterating the law and pointing out people's faults and sins because their sins are ever before them. And even if they don't, it is the work of the Holy Spirit to convict of sin, not ours. Have I got a witness here this morning? Our job is to take the heart of Christ and to help love people back to life. And that is really, really challenging. Because you know why? Because some things that some people do are really bad, aren't they? I'm not talking about flobbing, flogging and knickers at the news, you know. <laughs> you know, what are those chocolate, chocolate? Snickers. <laughs> Oh, I'll never live that. I'll never live that down, will I? I said, "Hey, Snickers." You see, the sins that most people don't get. Where are you going, Cindy? That's it. We're not talking about sin that involves flogging a chocolate bar at the supermarket. We're talking about sins that people commit that are horrific sins, that are sins that have incredible consequences. We're talking about sins that bring pain and shame. You see, if somebody came up to you and said, you know what, I flogged a chocolate bar you know, when I was a kid at the supermarket, how quick are we to say, oh, mate, you know, just confess your sin to Christ and he'll forgive you and wash you? Wouldn't it be... So much easier if that's all the gravity and brevity of what some sin is. But what if you're talking to a man who was involved in beating his wife or someone who committed some other terrible crime, who stole someone's car, and including their baby in the car, let alone their pet dog. You know, some of the terrible crimes that are even worse than I'm even mentioning here. You see, it's one thing for us to say, I can forgive someone and I can, I, yeah, I can take the grace of God and pass it on to someone who's done some kind of sin, but some of the sins that Jesus forgives are way worse. Amen? And that is the challenge for the church of Jesus Christ, that we can actually believe that God wants to love people back to life. And then there's one more that I think is just such a beautiful picture of God's forgiveness, and that is the Apostle Paul himself. You know, Paul was a terrible man before he met Jesus. You know, Paul didn't suddenly come to himself and realize he was doing wrong. God had to interrupt Paul in his life. God had to come to Paul. When he was set, he was hell-bent on destroying the church of Jesus Christ. He was on his way to Damascus to persecute more and more Christians. Not long before that, he'd stood back and watched and held the coats of men who stoned Stephen, a righteous man, to death. Paul stood there bearing witness and holding the coats. Here, mate, hold my coat while I murder this man. And he stood there feeling justified as a persecutor of believers in Jesus. And yet Jesus came and interrupted Paul on the road to Damascus and completely changed his life. 
A man who stood by and instigated the persecution of believers, witnessed the murder of Stephen, held the coats of those who stoned him, a man who pursued those who tried to live by the new covenant, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, given over to religious judgment and condemnation, is forgiven completely on the road when Jesus confronted him. And now he champions the wonderful grace and forgiveness of Christ. I think the story of the Apostle Paul is one of the greatest examples of God's forgiveness we will ever read in the whole Bible. Because here's a man who's walking exactly the opposite, in exactly the opposite direction to the way that God uh, wants a person to walk and yet he is completely forgiven. I don't know about you. But I need the grace of God. I need the forgiveness of Jesus. Jesus not only saves, Jesus not only transforms, Jesus forgives and Jesus forgives us completely. I want to say to you here today, nothing you could ever do could make God love you more and nothing you could ever do could make God love you less. Can you say amen this morning? He loves you. He washes us. We are no longer second-class Christians. We're no longer second-class people who've been able to have sanction or servanthood or some kind of place in his presence. No, when God forgives you and I, whether it's from our first initial point of salvation or whether it's progressively in our journey when we may have even failed as a son or a daughter of God, he still washes us completely and restores us 100% into his presence. Who's glad about that? Every single one of us need to be because we need that grace of God. Let's stand up together and pray. Thanks, team. Thank you, Lord. Jesus saves from the cross to the grave. Jesus saves. Are you glad this morning? Are you glad of the wholeness and the goodness of God? Are you glad of the mercy? Are you glad of the beauty of His forgiveness? Let's just close our eyes as we pray. Lord Jesus, Every one of us this morning, we needed you in the past and we need you today. In our everyday lives, we need your forgiveness, we need your grace, we need your cleansing. But Lord, I pray that beyond that, we will also be the kind of people who will so grasp the wonderful forgiveness and goodness of God, who will so grasp that we have been made white as the driven snow, who will so grasp that our sins are cast into the sea of his forgetfulness, who will so grasp that our sins, he remembers them no more because of Jesus. The Lord, even though the memory may still be there, the pain and the barb and the condemnation of sin can never rule our lives any longer because we have been truly forgiven, truly washed, if you know you're glad to be forgiven and washed, why don't you just raise your hands in his presence and thank him this morning. And if you need the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy of God afresh this morning, let me say to you, walk in it. Walk in the mercy of God. Walk in the grace of God. Walk in the wholeness 
of the Holy Spirit. Let your life be hid with Christ in God. Let your old life be dead as Jesus took it on the cross of Calvary and walk in the freedom and the grace and the mercy of God. Thank you, Jesus. from God this morning. And I will open up inside. Yes, Lord. You provide the fire. I'll provide the sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus. You provide the spirit. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. I will open up as I feel me. one of us standing in your presence now. I pray that every one of us would walk in the forgiveness and the grace and the fullness of the mercy of God. That every one of us would walk free in the new covenant life that Jesus purchased for us by his blood at the cross. And Lord, not only that, that we would live that, we would carry that, we would express that as a body of people to a lost world around us, those we interface with day by day, week by week, year by year, that we would carry the grace and the forgiveness and the mercy and the goodness of Jesus in our everyday life. Oh, Lord, help every person in this room that struggles with unforgiveness toward another or to others, Lord, to be able to truly forgive and let that go so that, Lord, you can also forgive their sin, our sin, that we be completely free. 
And we ask this this morning in the wonderful and beautiful name of Jesus. And we give you all the praise and we give you all the glory. And everybody said this morning, amen, amen. God bless you this morning in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Fill me up, God. Fill me up, God. Fill me up, God. Fill me up. Fill me up, God. Fill me up, God. Fill me up, God. Fill me Yeah.